Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Wednesday, January 17th. 2024. This is Shannon, and tonight I'm here with Brooke, Melissa, Stacy, and Natalia, and we are talking about books set in the winter, because for all of us, except Natalia, who we (laughs) very strongly dislike at this moment, um, it is winter. (laughs) Deep, deep, cold winter. (laughs) So we are honoring that by talking about all the things we love to read about when the weather is cold. So we will get started with the usual housekeeping information. Then Natalia will start us off, followed by Brooke, me, Stacy, and then Melissa. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Book Bistro Podcast. There we have our usual Facebook page where we keep track of our Wednesday reads and also post information about the Friday episodes. We also have a Facebook listener group that you're welcome to join. And if you prefer a different type of listener group, you can contact us and ask about our WhatsApp group. Both groups are pretty small, not super high traffic, and we would love to have you. If you want to get in touch with us off of social media, you can do so by sending an email to thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. If you're looking for our main hosting page where you can find information on the podcatchers that make Book Bistro available to you, you can find that information in our show notes. I have to say, my AC is set to 68 degrees because it's hot outside. Stop it. Stop it. I took my dogs out in shorts and a t-shirt. Books. I I don't envy... The wind show is zero. Books, books, books. Yes. And, set in the cold. And, but what, what I'm um, getting at is related to books set in the cold. Because just like what I'm saying is completely unwanted to be heard by you guys. That's <laughs> the right. first book I'm going to talk about is called An Unwanted Guest by Sherry Lapina, who is a very new to me author and whose novels I have very much enjoyed, including this one. So for someone like me who is living in a place where there's summer all the time, a weekend retreat at a cozy mountain lodge would be the perfect getaway. But in our story, when a storm hits, no one is getting away. Right now it is winter in the Catskills Mitchell's Inn, which is nestled deep in the woods and is a perfect setting for a relaxing weekend away, maybe even a romantic weekend away. It has spacious old rooms with huge wood-burning fireplaces, like real wood, not fake wood. And it has the opportunity for cross-country skiing, which is super cool, and a full, well-stocked wine cellar. It has the opportunity for snowshoeing, or you could just curl up with a good murder mystery, which would probably be my choice. 
when the weather takes a turn for the worst and a blizzard cuts off the electricity, all contact to the outside world is cut off as well. And, well, the guests try to make the best of it. But soon, one of the guests turns up dead and it looks like an accident. But when a second guest turns up dead, they start to panic. In the Snowden paradise, something or someone is picking off the guests one by one. And there's nothing they can do but hunt whoever it is down and hope they can survive this storm and also survive one another. Now, this book is excellent. Excellent. One thing I love about mysteries is when I can't guess the conclusion, and this is one of them. Um, and it's, you know, it's very different. I've read a lot of books in the winter, but I think this was probably my first one that was about you know, kind of like a, a getaway. I've read about murder mysteries and resort getaways and things like that, but nothing quite like this. And, you know, aside from the murder and mayhem, it does sound like a really nice vacation if if you're safe. So this is An Unwanted Gift by Sherry Lapina. So my first book this evening is The Arctic Fury by Greer McAllister. And so this is about a trip into the great, uh, like the Arctic um, that was done by 12 women. So this took place in 1850, in early 1853. Um, this is a historical fiction. So it's based on some, like some is true, some is a little bit fictional, fictionalized. Um, so our main character that we get to meet, her name is Virginia Reeve. And she is summoned to Boston by a mysterious benefactor who we later find out um, is Lady Jane Franklin. And so Lady Jane would like um, Virginia to lead 12 women into the Arctic to search for the lost Franklin expedition. So her husband, Sir John Franklin, led an expedition of men into the Arctic and has has like gone missing. Nobody knows what has happened to him and his people. So Lady Jane has sent out a couple different groups. And the first two groups, the first few groups that he, she sends out are men. And so when Virginia comes to meet with her, she says like, I feel like women are gonna get it done and like women like we all know how to get things done and I have great I think it's gonna happen so she tells her that she's gonna be taking 12 women so she gives her the name of 10 and tells her that she can pick two that she would like to bring and each of the women has their own contribution that they make to the expedition we've got a nurse there's a doctor um, there's a woman who trains and runs sled dogs. There's a cartographer who knows how to read maps really well. And there's all these different people. There's one woman, her name is Caprice, and she's a very rich woman. She was grew up in a very rich household. And so she has this belief that she's 
like that things are just going to be great. Um, she grew up part of her hobby that we find out is she liked to go mountain climbing and stuff like that. So she knows how to do stuff rugged, but at the same time, she's very, like she always used to getting her own way. So we, there's this clash between her and Virginia from day one. So we fast forward in the book, we fast forward at the beginning to a year and a half later. So after the expedition and Virginia is on trial for the murder, supposed murder of Caprice. Um, and also she's also being suspected of others because not all of the 12 women have returned. And so in the book, we go back and forth between the trial and learning like what the different witnesses have to say. But then we also go back to the their time in the Arctic. So they're traveling there. So we get to learn like all what happened when they were like sailing there. Um, we get to find out like how the interactions between the different women. And one thing that you also learn is you learn some that some of these women have secrets that are going to cause some difficulty. And then we also we we also get to spend a lot of time learning about the mission, like their expedition in the Arctic. And it was a really, really like you really get the sense of how cold it is, how vast, how dangerous, how um how like just one wrong step could mean death. And in the trial, we get to see like what each person has to say about things and how Virginia has to try and prove her innocence. But at the same time, she's fighting against these men that are in charge. And the whole big question is what happened out on the ice? So this is the Arctic Fury and it's by Greer McAllister. I am so glad you talked about this. It's been on my radar for quite a while. In fact, I bought it when it first came out and it just like sits here and I have not read it. So now um, I will have to move it closer to the, you know, proverbial top of my list. So my first book tonight is a fantasy and this is Winter Song. Winter Song, book one by S.J. Jones, and it's S and then J, J-A-E hyphen Jones, just for people who um, may be looking it up based on what I'm saying. And this is a kind of a hard book to describe. It's writing has a very surreal quality to it. It almost reminds me of like a fever dream. So you're reading it and there's just this sense of of unreality that goes beyond even like what you would expect from a fantasy. It's kind of a hard quality to pin down um, as I'm describing it. But this is the story of Liesl. And Liesl is a musician. And her music has been inspired by the Goblin King for as long as she can remember. Now, she kind of wonders, you know, if the Goblin King is real, like there's all kinds of mythology built up around him. But she's pretty sure that this is just like a, a fairy tale. 
But then her sister goes missing on the last day of the year. And through a series of events that I'm not going to get into here, she discovers that the Goblin King is responsible for her disappearance. And so she decides that she is going to journey beneath the earth to where the Goblin King lives and hopefully get her sister back. But as you can probably guess, this doesn't go quite as smoothly as she plans, because once she manages to enter the kingdom of the goblins, she learns all kinds of things that she never knew. And some of these things are about herself, about her music, even about her sister. But then there are some darker truths about goblins as well. And all of this sort of comes to a head and has a huge impact on her and her art. Um, It's a very slow building book. So if you're reading it and you're looking for like the big climax, that's not really what you're going to find here. Um, It's one of those things where each word almost like builds on the one before it and it's like you have to pay super close attention all the time otherwise you're going to miss something and missing something here can be a problem because as I say it has this sort of surreal quality to it that is kind of difficult to keep track of but if you can get past that It is a really magical story um, that is a love story at its core, a fantasy, um, an homage to art and music. Um, It's just a really incredible book and one that I don't think has gotten enough attention. I read it um, back in 2017, and it's a book that I, I rarely hear people talk about, and I think more people should know about it. So this is Winter Song, Winter Song, book one, by S.J. Jones. My first book this evening is one that I read right before the holidays, and I was looking for something that had a wintry vibe to it, but wasn't necessarily like a holiday romance per se. And this book popped up on one of the the lists that I was searching. So this is the Wildwood Society series book two. It's the two-week roommate again, by Roxy Noir. And this book um, is, the premise at the beginning is slightly silly, but um, the rest of it was just amazing. So this book is about Gideon. He's up at his cabin trying to kind of get away from the pressure he feels from his family. And he has this great plan. He's a, he's a, um, I want to say he's a forest ranger. And so he's up there, he's at this cabin, um, I, I think working um, in this remote place and he is contacted because there is a, it starts to snow and there is a woman stuck out in this snowstorm. And so he has to go and rescue her. Well, when he gets to the place where this woman is, she had chained herself to a tree to protest something that I don't remember And she did it because she was trying to make friends in this town um, where she used to live as a child and now has moved back to as an adult. 
And so this other woman asked her to chain herself to a tree in solidarity with her. And then the friend, in quotes, left her there because she had to go to a different protest. And Andy, our kind of silly at first heroine, was trapped and stuck to the tree and could not get out of the chains. So Gideon has to come and save her. But the issue is when he sees Andy, he realizes that the woman he's rescuing in the snowstorm is his childhood best friend who he has not spoken to in 20 years because something that he told his family basically caused them to become enemies. It was a secret about Andy's family that he told his family in the self-righteous way of 12-year-olds, and they haven't spoken in all this time. But now Andy's back in town, and Gideon is here and helping her to get out of this bind she's put herself in. And it is snowing too hard for him to actually get her back down to town. So he has to take her back to the cabin with him. And Andy and Gideon get snowed in together, which is like my favorite, favorite thing in romance novels. When you're stuck together, the forced proximity, only one bed, you know, the whole thing. Like, I just love it. And you can't really go many places because of all the snow. And so, you know, they're trying to make the best of it, but it's very, very awkward because they haven't spoken in 20 years. And Gideon feels terrible for the thing that he did to Andy and her family. And Andy just isn't quite sure what to think of Gideon now at this point. But the longer they are trapped together in this cabin, the more they start to talk and to kind of remember what drew them together as children. But as inevitably happens, at long last, the snow melts and they return to the real world and to their lives. And when they do, they have to sort of come to terms with the things that drew them apart in childhood, but also brought them back together now. And can the relationship that they're building withstand the pressures of both of their families and, um, and all of that when they get back to the real world? Now, this was an amazing book. It was my first book by Roxy Noir, and I really liked the writing. Um, there should be a lot of content warnings for Lots of closed-minded phobic responses to people who are different. Um, this book, um, at its core, there is a lot about um, Gideon grew up um, in in a, a very religious family, almost like cultish in, in the religious aspects. Um, and there's a lot about purity culture, and there's like transphobia, homophobia, um, there's slut-shaming by his family. Gideon has felt pressure for years to try to keep his siblings together in the family, despite all of the overzealous sort of zealot ways of his, of his parents. And now he's with this woman who um, does not come from this very purity culture, religious um, culture. And he's trying to make it work while trying to hold on to some of the threads of his family. So even though it's a pretty, you know, lighthearted romance overall, there are these um, there are these issues kind of woven throughout that make it a little bit deeper and I think could be triggering for some people. Um, I thought it was um, a really lovely book and I immediately went and read two other books by Roxy Noir and enjoyed them very much. So if you want to read a book about two people stuck together in a cabin with unresolved tension and now some quite intense sexual tension and chemistry between them, I recommend that you pick up The Two-Week Roommate and that is the Wildwood Society book two. And again, that's by Roxy Noir.
That sounds really I had good. not heard of this until you mentioned it to me um, for this episode. This book is actually the inspiration for this episode. <laughs> yes, I, t- I texted Shannon and I said, Shannon, please, I want to talk about books set in winter. I just read this Roxy Noir and she's like, that's a great idea. We haven't done one of those in a while. So <laughs> yay. Thank you, Two Week Roommate, really for cold. inspiring me. Yeah, yeah. My first book is The Snowy Day by Ezra Jack Keats. This story follows a little boy and his day spent out in the snow, making snow angels, building snowmen, throwing snowballs. He has a whole day of just playing in the snow. The little boy's name is Peter. So, Peter's story is of how he enjoyed the snowy day. I think this is a very warm and fuzzy children's book that adults can read and have memories of playing in the snow. And it also can be read to nephews or nieces the snowy day. By Ezra Jack Keats. Well, speaking of enemies, I'm sure that we have all had a job where we have had coworkers that haven't been our favorite and where the environment hasn't been the best. One of my jobs oh. comes up very prevalent in my mind. And no, it's not the one I have now. <laughs> <laughs> But especially because of the number of co-workers in this story that I'm going to talk about today, this book. And this is by somebody who I would say can write really masterful, masterful mysteries. And this is One by One by Ruth Ware. So just imagine that it's the middle of winter and you are not very happy at your job and you have all these co-workers that don't necessarily get along and just imagine that you get snowed in in a beautiful mountain chalet which is not a problem except you're stuck with all eight of those co-workers and that is the company that you have to keep gross and you gross gross can't trust any of them (laughs) no i'm just remembering my eight co-workers that i had when i lived in the winter and i was stuck with them a lot (laughs) during winter storms and it really it really isn't the greatest except here in our story there's an off-site company retreat that's meant to promote mindfulness and collaboration which i can tell you from personal experience never works and it didn't work apparently in this book because an avalanche hits and well The corporate food chain that they all work for becomes irrelevant and survival trumps togetherness. But come Monday morning, how many members short will this team be? Now, this thriller is quite suspenseful and it is set on a snow-covered mountain. And I cannot reveal anything else without spoiling the plot. But if you want to read about a snow-covered mountain chalet where there's an avalanche that people survive the avalanche but don't necessarily survive one another, you must pick up One by One by Ruth Ware. 
that sounds like my nightmare. Like seriously, like getting trapped with all my like coworkers, <laughs> even if I like them, like I would, I don't know, that would just really stress me out to be trapped mm-hmm. in a place where I couldn't get away. So my next book this evening is Shredded Extreme Risk Book One by Tracy Wolf. So our main character's name is Z. And Z is a 21-year-old snowboarder. Um, He is known as like the bad boy of Park City, Utah. He's this good-looking rich boy who has had the pick of women, um, both in Park City and also um, at competitions. Um, At the same time, he's got some trauma going on from his background and from his family and his way of kind of coping with his mental trauma is that he takes a lot of risks. So he's well known for doing very, very high risk tricks um, in snowboarding as well as just when he's, he'll go to do um, ski in the back mountains Um, snowboard in like really, really dangerous areas and stuff like that. And he's well known for this. So we meet Ophelia. So Ophelia is working for her aunt and uncle at this resort that um, Z and his friends who also snowboard, um, they hang out at there like all year long so that they can practice and so Ophelia is working for her aunt and uncle. She grew up in New Orleans. Um, she's well off, but she's not a Southern belle. She's very much okay with doing whatever jobs her aunt and uncle need her to do. Um, she has come to Utah, to Park City to get away because she was in a really major accident her ex-boyfriend who is who has passed away he crashed his car after he got jealous and in a rage and he was he was also very much an extreme risk person so he was a drag um a drag racer and they were in this major major crash so she's been healing up from that And she's taken off to Utah to get away because people are blaming her and saying that, like, if she had treated him better, then he never would have done that. So she's working at the resort and she meets Z and his friends. Um, His friends are Ashton, Luke and Cam. Um, And each of them have have their own book later on in the series. Um, each of them are snowboard snowboarders, and they're all trying out for um, the Olympics in their different in their different areas that they work at. And they're always kind of testing each other and pushing each other to be better. They've all known each other since they were really, really young. And so Ophelia is kind of not really interested in a relationship right now because she's kind of trying to pull herself back together but at the same time she meets z and they start to get to know each other um but as she gets to know him 
she also realizes that he does take these extreme risks and she's not really sure that she can risk her heart this way. So this book is a lot about them kind of figuring out how they can be together, but also how to deal with their own problems and how they can like work that around to be together. And it's set in the winter, as you can imagine. And we get to see like him snowboarding and you get to see like all the conditions of the mountains. And like when he would get upset, sometimes he would go for these walks up the mountain and these like dangerous conditions that he was walking in was you really, really get this sense of how dangerous winter is and how dangerous it can be to be up in the mountains and also uh, snowboarding in the mountains. And then you also get to see him at some of the competitions and like some of the, the danger of these competitions and stuff like that. So if you want to see how um, Z and Ophelia are able to work things out, then you will have to check out Shredded Extreme Risk Book One by Tracy Wolf. All right. So my second book is a standalone, and this is Winter Counts by David Heska Wombley Wyden. This is kind of a, I don't know, like a literary mystery, I guess. Um, it is about Virgil Wounded Horse, who is an enforcer on a reservation in North Dakota. And basically, when justice is denied by either the American government or by the tribal council, it is up to Virgil to meet justice out. And this is a job that he's kind of been unwillingly doing for a number of years. He understands that it's necessary because justice is not something that is easily found on the reservations. And he knows that there's a need for what he does. But he also sort of chafes at the idea that he is the person that is always relied upon to do these things and that he can't really get any kind of backup or support, you know, from official sources. So he is set to investigate heroin that has been making its way onto the reservation. And people are wanting to know, you know, where it's coming from, who is bringing it in, what are they, you know, how can they stop it? And this takes kind of a personal turn for Virgil because his nephew gets addicted to heroin. And this, of course, you know, causes a lot of trouble within his family. So he sets out to figure out exactly what's going on. And he forms sort of an uneasy alliance with an ex-girlfriend of his. And they end up traveling from North Dakota to Denver on on the path of the people who are responsible for bringing drugs to the reservation. I can't tell you much more than that without giving things away. I will say it is a dark book, um, in case you couldn't tell from the subject matter, but it is, I think, really important to 
note that, you know, justice doesn't look the same for everybody. And that, you know, things that many of us take for granted as far as just, you know, calling the police and getting the results that we want, that those things may not happen for other people, um, especially people of color and people who are living on reservations. I enjoyed this. I was hoping that we would get to see more of Virgil. Um, This particular story is wrapped up very nicely, but I did see some sort of openings that, you know, could have meant that we were getting a second book, but it doesn't seem that we are. And that's okay. You should still pick this up um, if you're looking for a mystery, but with sort of a, a literary feel. I would definitely recommend this one. This is Winter Counts, and it's by David Heska Wandley Wyden. So last year for a winter set episode, I talked about a romantic suspense novel that was set in the wintertime. And that's when I realized that I love reading romantic suspense, where the weather is just as much of a threat to the protagonists as whoever is after them. Yes. Yes. I just, I think that's a really cool, it just adds even more tension to an already stressful situation. So this year I was doing some research and I found Into the Storm, Evidence Under Fire, book one by Rachel Grant. And this is the first book that I read by this author. I actually discovered her. People have been recommending her to me on and off for a while, but I just, I hadn't picked up anything, but um, I actually discovered her in one of the Stuff Your Kindle um, big I don't even know if you call it a sale because it's all free, but <laughs> big events this year. And um, I got the audiobook for a great, great price. So I thought to myself, I'm just going to give this book a try. This book takes place in Washington State, um, like in the rainforest area of Washington State, kind of like where Twilight happened in like the Port Angeles Forks um, area. And this book is about Xavier Rivera and he is um, he is a Navy SEAL who, because of an injury, is now um, doing trainings for Navy SEALs. He's no longer an active SEAL. And he has been plan- planning a training at this historic lodge um, for months and months. But prior to the start of this training, he had a one-night stand with archaeologist Audrey Kendrick That was pretty amazing, except then in order to ensure that the training happened, he essentially had to lie about her because she wouldn't sign off on the training. So basically, um, he ruined any chance he ever had to, um, you know, ever have another night with Audrey. But he gets the training, which is very important to him. At the beginning of the book, Audrey is driving into the park, um, into the rainforest to where the lodge is located because someone has tampered with the cameras that she has set up to help guard an ancient Native American burial site that was already looted um, a couple months ago. And so she feels very strongly about taking care of this, of this site and protecting it and keeping it safe. But Audrey does not know that this is the first day of this um, of this SEAL training. 
And so she's not even supposed to be anywhere near the lodge. Um, the area is supposed to be restricted for the next several days. And when she gets sort of into this area by the lodge, she is approached by Xavier and they have kind of like a, a very tense uh, reintroduction to each other. But once she gets him to believe that she's not actually there to sabotage his training, he decides that the best way to get her out of um, out of the situation quickly is to go with her up into the, you know, up to where this burial site is to help her check her cameras. And they find that the cameras were tampered with and suddenly they are um, accosted by a man with a knife who does his best to kill them. And that sort of starts this whole tension-filled sort of cascade of events because as part of this training, they are cut off from everyone. They have signal jammers, so there's no like cell um, there's no like telephone communications getting out. There's no way to contact anyone via radio. And it's so that the SEAL team can come in and practice this this um, this operation that is going to be very vital to them um, later on. And so here are Audrey and Xavier um, sort of like being accosted by this team of killers, not knowing why, not knowing, you know, why this this team is being targeted. And at the same time, a SEAL team is going to be um, taken by helicopter to this to this remote lodge and dropped in unarmed, only armed with like paint guns because it's supposed to be, you know, a training, not a real op. And so they have to try to figure out how to communicate with the SEAL team that actually this, this group of um, mercenaries who are there and after them are armed and very dangerous. While trying to deal with the January weather in this area, which is pounding, deluging, downpouring rain. It's like down, it's like in the upper 30s, it's pouring down rain, it's slippery, it's icy, and they're trying to evade killers and, you know, kind of deal with this weather. And in the midst of all this, you know, they're dealing with the fact that the lie that Xavier told about Audrey almost derailed her entire career. And she's kind of hanging by a thread in her job, which is why she thought it was so important to come out and check on these cameras. So this book is just basically a nonstop action thrill ride from the first page to the last. It doesn't let up. Um, a lot of things happen, a lot of danger, a lot of running away, a lot of hiding, and a lot of like evading happens. And in the meantime, two people begin to remember what was so great about that one night stand that they had before everything fell apart. I love this book a lot. It was really smart. Um, it was interesting to read about this area of Washington. Um, there is not a lot of danger banging, which I deeply appreciated. That's like something that really makes me angry in romantic suspense. Um, the writing was smart. It was very well researched. And I loved all the information about um, archaeology in that area. And about the, the Native Americans who lived in this area, and also about ways that one of the elders assisted with evasion of these killers. It was a really, really wonderful book. I've read two other books by her since then, so I can highly recommend to you if you want to read a very tense romantic suspense that takes place in really bad winter weather, I would recommend that you pick up Into the Storm, Evidence Under Fire, book one by Rachel Grant. And I know that I kind of 
describe this book all over the place, but I was trying to do it without any spoilers whatsoever. And that proved to be quite challenging as often is the case with romantic suspense. Next is Dead of Winter by the writing team of P.J. Parrish. Lewis Kincaid is the main character of this book and all of the books in the series. This book follows him to a town in Michigan where he's become head of the police force. Although he's glad to have the job, he has to wonder about his predecessor, who was also African-American. I prefer black. Anyway, so this story contains him basically putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And during this time of putting the pieces together, he discovers that his predecessor was murdered. And I will stop there because, again, I don't want to give away any spoilers. That is Dead of Winter by P.J. Parrish. Well, my last book of the night is by an author who has written many books set in many different areas, time periods, genres, and all over the place. But this is one of the books that stuck to me because of the title and a lot of other reasons. And this is Northern Lights by Nora Roberts. Yay! And this book, you guessed it, takes place in Alaska where it is freezing and it takes place in a town called Lunacy, (laughs) which really (laughs) got my attention and was the reason why I even picked up the novel. And of course, I've always wanted to see the Northern Lights. So this book is about Nate Burke, who was a cop in the city of Baltimore. And he, during a during a case that he had with his partner, he watched his partner die on the street. And that's something that is still haunting him and not allowing him to move on with his life. And well, he gets to the point where he has nowhere else to go. So he accepts the job of chief of police in the small town of Lunacy, Alaska, which is a tiny remote town. And you might know that I really love small town, uh, novels but i i've never read one quite like this one where it was so cold the entire time and unlike the name of lunacy (laughs) this town provides nate with a bomb for his soul and well an unexpected love interests when he meets a fairway pilot meg galloway but unfortunately other things in lunacy are heating up because Nate suspects that the killer of a very old, unsolved murder is still walking the snowy streets. And his investigation will unearth secrets and suspicions that have lurked beneath the placid surface of the town for a very long time. And, well, it's going to bring out in him the big city survival instincts that made him a cop in the first place. 
But unfortunately, his discoverer will threaten the new life and the new love that he has finally found for himself. To see what murder we speak of and what goes on in this delightful town and dangerous town at the same time, you must pick up Northern Lights by Nora Roberts. It is probably one of my favorite winter novels ever. Yes. So my last book this evening is North of Nowhere by Alison Brennan. Yay. So five years, so for the past five years, Kristen and Ryan McIntyre have been in hiding from their murderous father. So Boyd McIntyre, um, he's the head of a crime plan, like a criminal group um, in Los Angeles. And he, his, um, his kids were taken by their godfather named Tony, and they're now in hiding. So they're in hiding in Montana. And unfortunately, what they've kind of been hiding from is, I mean, kind of what they've kind of been preparing for, like Tony has been kind of preparing them for, to start running and to get them ready to fight for their freedom and stuff. And it's, unfortunately it's, 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 it's the day is here. So the book starts kind of with a bang, really. You, you get this sense of they need to run. Um, and so they take off in this plane because Boyd um, is now in this small community and he's trying to catch, trying to get them. And so they take off in the small plane that is being flown by Tony. And unfortunately, um, gunfire hits the fuel lodge, the fuel, and the the plane has to, comes to a crash landing. And unfortunately, Tony is really, really badly injured in the crash. And he tells the kids they need to run and like to leave them behind. So they do. And Kristen is knows that she needs to protect her protect her brother so one thing that um i will mention about ryan is ryan is deaf so Kristen needs to make sure that he she keeps her brother safe she wants to make sure that he's safe so she goes and she makes sure that tony kind of has whatever she can do for him and then she takes ryan and they set off and they have to while they're in the Montana wilderness, not only are they having to figure out like where to go and how to hide and stuff like that, but also there's a storm, there's a blizzard coming. And so we have, there's, they don't know this, um, but there's three different groups that are trying to find them. Um, Boyd has hired a really good tracker um, to find them. And also, Tony sent a note to their aunt Ruby, um, who is in the army because she wanted to get away from the family. So she joined the army and she's also cut off communication with the kids because she wants to make sure that they stay as safe as possible. But Tony was able to communicate with her to tell her, like, you need to come and help us because Boyd has found the kids. So she's on her way to Montana to try and help find the kids 
because she also finds out from their connection that the plane crashed. So the kids are lost in the wilderness. And so she's doing that. So she's, we've got her and then we've got Boyd and his tracker person. But then we also have um, the rancher. His name is Nate. And Tony is, was working for the rancher. And so the rancher and his son are out trying to find the kids too. And they don't understand, like they don't know the story. They didn't know that Tony was their godfather. Um, as far as they know, Ryan and Kristen are their kids, are his kids. And so they don't know the story, but they're trying to help find because they, they've heard that the plane crashed and they're worried about Tony and the kids. So they're searching for them and all these groups are finding and they've got this whole like lots of suspense happening, lots of like you can see there's a lot of tension going on because it's just constant like everyone's trying to hide, everyone's trying to find each other. And then as I said, like there's a blizzard coming. So you've also got the kids trying to survive the blizzard. So if you want to know what's going to happen, will Ruby find her niece and nephew in time? Or will Boyd capture his kids? Then you are going to have to check out North of Nowhere by Alison Brennan. It was really good. Like, it was very suspenseful. I remember when Georgina um, talked about this for a most anticipated uh, releases for whatever month it came out. Yeah. Yes. This is definitely one that I want to read. All right. So my last book tonight is Rock, Paper, Scissors by Alice Feeney. And this one is a book about a marriage. And it is one that Natalia really, really likes. A, because it's a book about a marriage, but also it's just a, a twisty, creepy little wintry book. So Adam and Amelia have been married for 10 years. And on the surface, you know, as is always the case in books like this, their marriage is fantastic. But behind closed doors, things are pretty different. And as the reader, we don't really get a good sense of this right away. But what we know is that they are on a trip. They have won, supposedly, they think they have won this weekend away in this rustic, like, Scottish cabin. And this cabin turns out to be not great. And as things heat up in, in more ways than one, um, you start to learn that this trip might have been engineered by someone. It might not have just been a random thing that they won. Now, has it been engineered by a stranger or one of them or someone who knows them? Like that, that is unknown. But trust me when I say it is anything but random. So Adam and Amelia have a lot of conflict, some of which we know about going in, some of which we learn about as the story goes on. And each of them has secrets from their pasts. And 
both of them are trying to figure out like how to come out of this situation on top. I realize this is a very vague description of a book, but there's not a lot that I can say um, that won't like spoil things for you. But this is a book that really is about like how well we do or don't know people, even people that, you know, we think we should know the best. I think one of the things that makes this book really fresh and original is that Adam has face blindness. And this is a disability that you don't really read a lot about, um, but he is unable to recognize people just by looking at them. And it doesn't matter like who these people are, like even his wife, um, he can't recognize visually. And so this, of course, adds an extra layer of suspense and twistiness to the book. But it also, I think, just brings to the forefront a disability that doesn't get um, a lot of a lot of representation in fiction. If you've never read an Alice Feeney novel, I highly recommend you check her stuff out. Um, her debut was Sometimes I Lie, and that one was absolutely incredible. But pretty much everything she does is fantastic. So this one, if you're looking for something wintry, this is Rock, Paper, Scissors by Alice Feeney. I've made no secret over the years of how much I love books by Mia Sheridan. <clears throat> and so when I was trying to decide what to talk about for my final book, I decided that I had to talk about Savaged by Mia Sheridan, especially because I only read it the other day. Um, so it was just a lovely book. This book is um, set in a small town in Montana called Helena Springs. And of course it is set in the height of winter. And it's sort of two stories in the beginning that run parallel. So um, we are first introduced to a, a very young boy named Jack. And Jack is essentially dumped into a snowy wilderness and told by the voice of a random man that's standing behind him that he can either die today or he can learn to survive. Ooh. And what this man might have had in store for Jack and for the other three children standing on this mountain um, remains to be seen because then there is an avalanche and they all go a tumbling down in different directions. And so as we read Jack's chapters, we are learning about how this young boy figured out how to survive in a very um, harsh and unforgiving landscape with no help from anyone. But then we have the story that's taking place in the present. And the story is about Harper Ward. And she is a wilderness guide who has been called in by the small sheriff's office in Helena Springs to assist um, an agent in trying to figure out a murder case um, because this agent has just moved to Montana from California. And that seems like kind of a drastic move in my opinion, especially um, during the winter. And so 
he's not used to like navigating through the snowy landscape. And so the sheriff asks if Harper would be willing to drive him out to one of the murder sites. Well, you know, she agrees because she kind of feels like she should, um, even though she doesn't really want to have any sort of like close contact with any sort of like murdery situations, but she wants to help. And so once she's driven this this um, this agent out and, and he's looked at the, the murder scene, they come back and on a, on a camera, she sees their only sort of person of interest in this case. And he is a man who appears to have been living entirely off the grid, deep in the forest. He's wearing like animal hide clothing and boots and seems to be a bit of um, just like a, a wild animal type man. And Harper is very intrigued by him and she keeps watching him as he's sitting in this jail cell. There's a camera. So she keeps watching him and she's able to see that there's intelligence in his eyes and something about him makes her think that there's a sensitivity there as well. And she's very intrigued by him. And so when he is released and he goes back to his cabin deep, deep in the snowy forest, just before he leaves, Harper sees something that he's wearing that triggers memories for her from long ago um, that relate to her past. And so she decides she's going to drive out into the forest to talk to this man named Lucas to figure out what he knows about this item that he's wearing. But as so often happens in Montana, when she drives out there to confront him about this item, she doesn't realize that they are about to get dumped on by snow. And so she's sort of stuck with Lucas for longer than anticipated to see how this goes. Friends, like we have our, we have our overnight in a cabin with snow, which I love so much. And while she's with Lucas, she begins to learn more about him and she continues returning to him. She's worried about him being on his own because um, the sheriff's office has taken his bow and arrow into evidence. Um, because this this uh, the murder victim and the other person who was murdered in town were both killed with a bow and arrow. So they, they have it as evidence. But now Harper wonders, like, what is Lucas going to do for food? So she brings him food and she keeps coming out and talking to him and continues to be more and more intrigued by him. But at the same time, there is still this mystery of who killed these two people. And also, there's this mystery that needs some attention about this young boy named Jack and what happened to him and why he was essentially taken from his home and left out in the middle of a very inhospitable snowy forest to either survive and thrive or to die and to basically teach himself how to live off the land and be self-sufficient. So we have a romance, we have a suspense plot, and then we have these darker elements, my friends, that kind of run through the story that are kind of horrifying. Um, so just be aware that even though it is a romance at its core, there's also some very dark elements that I will not say much more about because um, that would get into spoiler territory. I loved this book a lot. I loved just learning about Jack and learning about Lucas and getting to know Harper's backstory because she had a very 
um, tragic, traumatizing event happen um, during her childhood that, you know, now years and years later, she's still trying to kind of solve the mystery surrounding this traumatic and tragic event that occurred in her life. And Lucas just might be the one to help her solve some mysteries for herself. It was a beautiful love story and um, kind of a horrifying, thrillery suspense at the same time, all set against the inhospitable Montana winter. So if you want a book that's both beautiful love story and dark thriller, I would encourage you to pick up Savaged by Mia Sheridan. Okay, I need this. Yes, it's good. My next book is Winter Girls by Lori Halls Anderson. And it follows Leah Overbrook and her struggles with her mental health and the death of her best friend. She feels very guilty because those nights when Cassie was calling her, she just didn't answer the phone. And it follows Cassie's journey and Leah's journey and their fact that they both have eating disorders. This is a young adult fiction, but I think it could help even some adults. And that is Winter Girls by Lori Halls Anderson. So that brings us to the end of our books set in winter episode. Thank you to Melissa, Brooke, Stacy, and Natalia for joining me tonight with lots of great winter recommendations. As always, thanks goes out to Christine for all of her fantastic editing. And of course, we thank each and every one of you so much for joining us each week as we talk about great books. If you would like to let us know your thoughts, you can do that by leaving us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform you use to access the show. And not only does it allow us to see your feedback, but it also helps other book lovers to find us, which is a great thing. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with more bookish fabulousness. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more discussion of great books. Take care, everybody.